0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. What a blessing to be here together on uh, Resurrection Sunday. I said Resurrection Sunday. And again, we welcome all of you that are here for the first time. Welcome all, any family, friends that are here for the first time. In fact, why don't uh, why don't we look to our neighbor and say, you're in the right place? Right place. At the right time? Right, time. <laughs> right, now. right now. I believe that's true today. You are in the right place. Uh, we have been in a series that we started last week called The Cross and the Crown. And what we've been talking about is one of the greatest victories, one of the most epic things that ever happened in history, is marked by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you that Easter is very, very important. We know the Resurrection Sunday as Easter Sunday. We know that Jesus was crucified. Even history will tell you he was crucified around 33 AD. And uh, history tells us there was about 120 followers at that time that uh, really were dedicated to his message. Then the Bible says they met in the upper room. 120 of them met for prayer. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And 2,000 years later, here we have 2.3 billion followers of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Let me put it in perspective for you today. That means one out of every three people in the world... Claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. This is bigger than the nation of China. It's actually bigger than Europe and bigger than the United States combined. That's how many people in the world believe in the Lord. And it's amazing how Christianity spread so quickly from just 12 followers. How did it expand to so many people in the world today? And I'm going to just give you one word, because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. And I want to read that story really, really quick. And then I'm going to pray. And then we'll get right into the message this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to see the tomb. Now, this was where Jesus had been buried Uh, After suffering on the cross, three days later, suddenly there was an earthquake and an angel moved the giant, this angel moved the giant stone away from the opening of the tomb. Now you have to understand the tomb back then was not a tomb that we would think in the ground, but it was a tomb that you were able to walk in. And so they had this big stone that was in front of it. And then he sat on the stone, and the angel's face shone like lightning, and his clothes were brilliant white. When the Roman guards saw this, they shook with fear and they fainted. Now, this is pretty amazing because these Roman soldiers were pretty ruthless and uh, they, they were warriors, but they, they were even afraid. Then the angel spoke to the women Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. I love that. He's been raised from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see for yourself. There's nobody in the tomb. And so the Bible tells the women walked in, that they saw that there was no one there. Then he said, now go quickly and tell the followers that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he's headed to Galilee. And then he will see all of you there. So the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were scared, but they were also filled with joy. And they rushed to give the angels message to the disciples. Now here's where it gets really good. But as they were going, they didn't realize they ran into Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. He said, good morning, like nothing's happening. Hey, good morning, guys. The women came close to him and they touched his feet. In other words, man, they, they, they want to make sure they're not looking at a ghost. They want to make sure they're not seeing a vision. And so they touched his feet. And the Bible said they worshipped him. Here they are, they acknowledging him as God. That uh, He was in the flesh and now risen again. They worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. They will see me there. So I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit today to help us as we get into this message today on this Resurrection Sunday. So Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for every person that is sitting in this building. Lord, you know who they are. You know their history. You know their name. You know everything about them. You know where they are right now their state of mind. You know where they're at right now Spiritually. Some may know you, but some may be far from you. So I pray, God, today as I minister the word of God, that, God, you'll remove every distraction and help them to receive the word. I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare your word today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So why is Easter so important? When you begin to think about this, you know, I can't go into all the Dynamics and logistics of what happened after the resurrection, but we do know this, that Jesus did did not just resurrect and ascend into heaven. In fact, if you read the Bible, Jesus hung around for 40 days, and he was seen by many people. In fact, up to 500 witnesses at one time. And the reason why Easter is important, because Jesus proved... Who he said he was. In other words, he said that I'm the son of God. When he said I'm the son of God, he was saying I am God in the flesh. The Jewish people understood that. And so when he rose from the dead, he proved who he was. In other words, a lot of people can say I'm this and I'm that. We know people say, I'm Napoleon, I'm Elvis Presley back from the dead, you know, all of these different things. But Jesus proved who he said he was and he rose from the dead. And I want to talk about what happened and what causes. In other words, when Jesus rose from the dead, he really brought some mercy that many of us may not even totally comprehend. In fact, the Bible talks about like a new day in Luke: 178, "A new day will dawn on us because our God is loving and merciful." Many people don't understand the mercy of God. They don't understand how merciful God is. When you understand the mercy of God, it will decrease your anxiety. It will bring peace in your soul. When you understand the mercy of God, Uh, many of the frustrations that we deal with every day will begin to go away because you'll begin to realize that God is merciful. Now, what does mercy mean? I want to give you a few, uh, give you a a condensed uh, definition, kindness and compassion or forgiveness that is shown towards someone whom it is within that person's power to punish and harm you. In other words, uh, I have the power to punish you. I have the power to re- re- uh, retaliate on you for whatever you've done to me, but I choose to give you mercy. Not getting what you deserve, punishment and, and revenge, but getting and receiving unearned kindness and undeserved Forgiveness. This is exactly the mercy of God. He gave us undeserved kindness and really unearned kindness and undeserved forgiveness. Now, now, all of us today, you are living in the mercy of God. The fact that you got up this morning and are breathing, that is the mercy of God. The fact that we're alive today, that is... The mercy of God. Now you may ask, what different does Easter make? What different does the resurrection make? What, how did it change anything? And I want to look at three things that I believe the resurrection can do for you personally. Now, a lot of us can look at the resurrection from the distance, and we can say, oh, that's great, Jesus rose again, but what does that do for me? And I want to show you today that Jesus does a lot more, gives you a lot more mercy than you understand. In fact, many of us deal with three emotions in life that God wants to give you mercy and remove them from your life. Many of us today have, how many have ever been ashamed of things that you've done? How many have ever done, how many have ever uh, felt some anger in your life? You've been angry about a few things. And this one's hard. How many of you have ever been afraid? You've been afraid of the future, been afraid. Believe it or not, Jesus' ministry, when he was on the earth, he dealt with all of these uh, different emotions. We've been afraid, we've been uh, basically ashamed, Uh, we've been at a place of anger. And so I want to kind of look at these because Jesus wants to remove these from us. And you may be saying, Well, I'm not afraid. I'm not angry. I'm not ashamed. And I want to just show you that, in fact, many of us are more than we think we are. And so I want to kind of highlight three short stories. And kind of give us some insight of why Easter, the resurrection, gives us mercy. Number one, when we are ashamed in life, and all of us have been there. In other words, I need God's mercy when I've messed up. Anybody ever messed up in life? Any, anybody ever made an error in their life? Because the reality is none of us are perfect. Perfect. If you're perfect here today, this sermon is not for you. You came to the wrong church today. In fact, just keep texting and looking at your phone if you're perfect. Shine your halo and and all of that. But the rest of us who are not so have it all together, we're messed up. How many can say amen? amen? And we're a work in progress, if we'll be honest. We're a work in progress. And none of us are 100% perfect. We're not perfect at all. If we really look back at our lives and really look back at who we are, we don't really measure up to God's standard, much less our own standard. And really, when we think about the claims of Jesus, though, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect in every way. Because we've messed up. We've made so many mistakes. Jesus, uh, uh, who was perfect, uh, was able to take the sins of the world upon him uh, because he took all the imperfections upon himself. See, the Bible says we've all sinned. In Romans chapter 323, it says we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. First John 1.8 says if we say we have not sinned, We've deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, when we say, no, I'm not that bad, you know, I'm not really a a sinner, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. None of us here got it all together by ourselves. None of us are perfect. Can you say amen? amen? Ecclesiastic 720 says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. I'm hoping we can kind of follow us on, on these scriptures I sent in earlier. Help us out with that. So, so basically today, all of us have messed up. All of us have stumbled. All, all of us have got, done things in our lives. In fact, James 3, 2 says we stumble in many ways. So all of us today, if we're honest, have stumbled. How many have stumbled in your attitude and how you respond? How many have said some things that you said, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that? I wish I wouldn't have said those particular words. And we fall into a trap, and we begin to fall into all kinds of mistakes, and we need some mercy because we messed up. And I want to show you a particular lady here who messed up, and reality is she had fallen into a trap, and she got caught. And this is the famous story, if you've ever read it. John chapter 8, verse number 2. It says this. One day Jesus was teaching a crowd outside the temple. And some Pharisees brought a woman who was caught... In adultery, many of us know the story. The Pharisees were very religious people. They were legalistic. They were judgmental. They were hypocritical. They were self-righteous. And one thing about the Pharisees, the religious people during that time, they hated Jesus. Isn't it wild when you think the common people loved Jesus, but the religious people hated Jesus? Kind of like in the world we live in today. You find religious people, when you start talking about Jesus, uh, man, they get all worked up. You talk about God, that's okay. You talk about Jesus, that's something different. And yet, these people here, these Pharisees, they caught this woman in adultery. And so, Jesus is teaching a a large crowd there. And the Pharisees bring this woman that's caught in adultery. And they basically put her on display in front of the crowd. Then Jesus, uh, uh, they they said this to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her, basically capital punishment. So what do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus in the same something that that they could use against him. So here we got a woman that is caught and a woman that is trapped. She's embarrassed because she's been caught in the wrong relationship. And now they're trying to trap Jesus in his reaction. How many have ever been in a place in your life where you've been caught and you've been trapped? You say, man, how do I get out of this thing? Maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe you're in a bad business deal. Maybe you're caught up in an addiction. Maybe today you're caught up in some things in your life and you're saying, I feel trapped. I feel I'm in a huge trap and I don't know how to get out of it. And so Jesus here is going to show some mercy to a woman that has been caught and she's basically in a place that she doesn't know how to get out of it. They're even trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trap Jesus here in verse number six into saying something they could use against him. Now, I love what Jesus does because the Bible says Jesus stooped down in the ground and he began to write in the dirt. Now, many scholars don't know what he wrote. There's been a lot of speculation about what he was writing on the ground. Many people don't uh, really know, you know, what is it that Jesus wrote on the ground? What was he writing on the ground? And they kept, it says that they kept demanding an answer. Finally, Jesus stood up and said, here's my answer. Basically, if any one of you have never sinned, you may throw the first stone. All of us know this story. Then he stooped down again. And he began to write on the ground. There's a lot of scholars believe maybe he was writing the Ten Commandments. And he was kind of writing some things there. Maybe he was writing their secret sin on the ground. Who knows? Maybe today as he was writing, he said, I'm going to write your dirt in the dirt because you're a dirt bag. Maybe that's what, was, that's what he was saying. Possibly. I don't know. Right? I'm going to write your sins in the dirt because you're dirt, right? It's very possible that that's what Jesus was doing. Maybe he was writing things like jealousy and liar and false witness, pornography, self-righteousness. Here is Jesus maybe writing their secret sin, and then Jesus basically said, he that is without sin, he that's never sinned, go ahead and cast, The first stone. We see that Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. And Jesus is doing something that a lot of us uh, really uh, are blown away. He is giving this woman... Uh, dignity. He is giving this woman, no matter the fact that she's been caught in sin, the fact that she's been bound uh, and she did wrong, she's been caught, she's in a trap, all of these different things, uh, Jesus is still accepting her. Jesus is still protecting her and giving her dignity. See, I want us to realize today, as people of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we know that there are people in the world because we've done it too. We were bound. We were messed up, right? And God gave us mercy. We got to be willing to give the same mercy that God gave us. Now, I love what Jesus does here because Jesus turns around and he says, where are your accusers? And they begin to slip away one by one, uh, beginning from the oldest uh, to the youngest. And I'm really amazed by what's happening here because I I believe this. uh, The older you get, the less fake you are. Hopefully, as you get older and you mature, you realize you don't have to impress everybody. When you're young, you're trying to pretend that you got it all together. You know what I'm talking about. You think you got it all together. You know more than you really know. Uh, when you get older, you don't care about that anymore. Especially you get these college kids. You know, they think, man, my professor said this. And you get, your professor. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I'm just going <laughs> to tell you right now. And, and, and you're going to find out that uh, as you get older, you need to cut some people some slack because you can't even meet the standard yourself. Uh, but as you get older, you begin to re- be honest and say, man, I don't got it all together. Can I tell you, the older I get, the, m- the less I got it all together. The, the more I need Jesus in my life. I got nothing to prove. I'm just here to tell you the truth uh, that, you know what, I'm not perfect, uh, but God is, uh, and I need the mercy of God every day just like you do. <clears throat> At that point, Jesus stands up. He looks at the woman, and he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there's none left to condemn me. No one, Lord. She said, neither do I condemn you. See, I love what Jesus said. I don't condemn you. But he wasn't condoning her either because he said, go and sin no more. This is where a lot of people leave out the rest of the story. See, we always say, oh, he's without sin, cast it first. Don't be judging me. Don't be doing that. Okay, well, stop walking in sin. Because Jesus said to her, basically, go and leave your sinful ways. Stop living in sin. Quit doing this. He didn't say, oh, go back to adultery. He said he didn't condemn her. He didn't condone her. But the moment with Jesus changed her. Yeah. See, that's what's supposed to happen. God's not out to condemn you nor condone what you're doing, but he's here to give you mercy and change you. I said he's here to transform your life. A lot of us today, we're living in the past, and we're living condemned in the past, and we can never move forward, and this is what God does, is he can forgive us of our past so that we can move forward in our life today, and we don't have to live our lives so ashamed anymore. We don't have to live our lives with such shame of so many things that we've done, but Jesus said, the Bible says in John 12, 47, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the So God's out here today to save us from our sin. Amen. Now we know. Listen to me. That doesn't mean today. I want to be very clear. There is going to be a judgment day, and that judgment day, no doubt, are those that have rejected Christ when God gave you an opportunity. In Hebrews nine twenty seven, it's appointed on to man once to die, but after this, the judgment of God. Every human being is going to give account for their life before God on judgment day. And those that have rejected the mercy that I'm talking about, those that have rejected the grace, those that say, I don't need mercy, I got it all together, those that are saying, you know, I'm all right the way I am, friend, there's going to be judgment. But if you'll receive the mercy, look at what the Bible says in James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. See, today, God wants to give you mercy more than judgment. Can you say amen? amen. He's looking for a way today, but you got to ask God's mercy. You have to accept God's mercy. So You don't have to live in shame anymore, but God can remove that shame. In fact, we have several testimonies of people in our church that, man, when you look at their life before they came to Christ, they can tell you they're very ashamed of how they live. But we have a YouTube channel, Re-Church Paramount, called My Stories, and you can hear the testimonies of many people in our church that that lived a shameful life, but because of mercy, they've been forgiven. They don't have to walk in shame any longer. That's what the resurrection power of God does. See, he gives us grace, and he gives us mercy. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus understands our weakness... Because all of us today have this weakness, but he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. In other words, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going through right now. And he says, so whenever we need him, we should come bravely or boldly, what? Before the throne of our merciful God. So if you're looking for help in your struggle, if you're looking for help, man, trying to deal with all the things that are coming against your life, can I tell you, you can come before the throne of God and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need because we serve a merciful God. I said we serve a merciful God. The second thing I want to talk about... Is When we get angry, a lot of us today uh, are walking around with anger, and you may say, well, I'm not that angry, but can I tell you, a lot of us, the reason why you're frustrated is because you're angry about some things in your life, and you need mercy to help you with your anger. You said, why do do I need mercy to help me with that? I'm going to give you a story here that I believe that all of us can relate to, because let's be honest, we're all limited, am I Right? You're not good at everything. I mean, you may be good, but you're not good at everything. Uh, All of us, we need, we have some form of Disability. We have some form of things in our life. Maybe you have some emotional disability. Maybe you have some physical disability. Maybe you have some mental disability. In other words, you, you, you can't put all things together. You're not sharp in every area. There are some disabilities in our life. And really what it should cause us to do is it should cause us to depend on God. See, we're very high, especially in America, we're we're really big on independence. We're saying, I can do it all by myself. Can I tell you, God wants us to depend on him. Now, when I talk about depending on him, I'm talking about dependence, meaning trusting God. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith, real faith, has to do with trust and dependence on him. When you want to please God today, if you want to please, then start depending on him. Start trusting him. Start putting your faith in him. Isn't it wonderful when you have small little children that they can depend on you, that they trust you? That basically they look to you to help them. They look to you to show them the way. It really, It's really pleasing to know that they're confident in you and that they know that whatever you say... I'm going to hold you parents accountable. You're not lying to them, right? You're telling them the truth. You're keeping your promises, right? And what happens with us today in life is when things don't turn out the way we want them to turn out, we get angry, we get frustrated, and we get disappointed. And a lot of us today, you're living with disappointments in your life because you're angry about some things. You're frustrated about something that things didn't turn out the way you thought they should have. In fact, your life is not turning out the way you thought. Your relationship is not turning out the way you thought. Your career is not turning out the way you thought. Things in your life, your family dynamics are not turning out the way you thought. So you're angry, you're frustrated, and you're disappointed. Let me show you how mercy can remove... Your anger, your disappointment, and frustration. It's found in John chapter 5. It's about a man who was disabled. We just heard a sermon on this on Wednesday, but I'm going to reiterate it here. In John chapter 5, verse uh, number 2, in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. Now, what is the Sheep Gate? Duh, that's where sheep come through, right? That's where they come through. And and they go, what's the Sheep Gate? That's the Sheep Gate, people. And so uh, it was the Pool of Bethesda, which was surrounded by five covered porches or, or colonnades. These were these court porches that they had around this pool. And the, the colonnades or porches would shade the people. It would cause some shade. It would call coolness. And all these people that were disabled uh, were around uh, this uh, uh, pool. It says a large crowd of all sorts of disabled people would lie by the pool. Believe it or not, if you'll be honest... We're part of that crowd today that is lying around the pool. We're disabled, just like a lot of these people are. And so they were waiting for a miracle because there was a legend. It wasn't a true legend. It was just a legend that every once in a while an angel would stir up the water, and whoever was the first to get in the water while it was still moving would get what they needed and would be made whole. So there's a lot of people there. They're waiting for the stirring of this water that legend says when it stirs up, they'll be healed. I'm just wondering if so many people are being healed, why are there so many people around the pool so long and disabled still? I don't get it. But anyway, so here's all these people there, right? One poor man had been waiting there by, for 38 years. That's a long time. I mean, that's a long time that your need hasn't been met that you've been laying there for 38 years. You're not getting the help you need. You can imagine this guy disappointed. He's frustrated. He's angry. Not only that, the odds are against him. Because there's many people around that pool that can get in there before he can. So it's already set up. The odds are against him that he'll uh, he'll be healed. The odds are against him that he'll be made whole. And he's looking for a miracle in the wrong place that only God can meet. The miracle is not in the pool. The miracle is in God. Can you say amen? amen? There's a lot of people, you're looking for a miracle. You're looking for an answer in the wrong place. When if it's not God, then you're looking in the wrong place. And so he's mad, he's angry. And maybe today you're in a place right now where you have this secret anger right now. You're disappointed in your marriage. Can I preach this morning? It's not the way you thought it was going to be, be. Maybe you're disappointed in your life right now. You're not where you wanted to be. Maybe you're disappointed in a child. He said, man, I've been trying to raise this kid. I give him this. I give him that. You're disappointed. Maybe you're, you're disappointed in just yourself. And so this guy, 38, 38 years he's been there. Verse 6, when Jesus saw this man and heard that he'd been lying there for such a long time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? Hello, Jesus, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm by the pool. You would think, you know, you would think that I'm looking to be healed. You would think that that's why I'm here. But can I tell you, a lot of times we assume people want to be healed that that are sick, but actually many times they don't. Because when you get healed, that means you got to take responsibility and change. There are a lot of people that are bound to drugs, bound to alcohol, bound to all that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I want to I get cleaned up. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because then you'd have to take responsibility. Then you'd have to sober up and face reality. Then you'd have to face your children. And then you see a lot of people, I, I, you know, I want to work. I want to get a job. I want to do this. Nothing. No, you don't. You would have got a job already. Uh, you blame the economy, you blame this person, you blame the president, you blame that, you bring, blame the previous president and the president before that, how many presidents you're going to blame? I mean, come on, who are we going to blame here? And we, 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 we can get mad at life. We can get mad at, at our health. We can get mad at, at our, you know, I can tell you today as a pastor over and over, I've talked to many people, I mean, years on end, where I talk to people about their marriage. I talk to people about their life and what's happening. And, and, and you know, there's always something. And I find that they're just not wanting to change. The reality is, see, you can't change the other person, but you can change yourself. And when you change you, it changes everybody around you. That's a fact. We, we, we want to blame people. We want to say, well, the reason this is happening, that's what this guy does. He, Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And do you know if a yes or no answer? Am I right? Do you want to be healed? Yes or no? Which one do you want to do? What is it? Look at what this guy says. He says, sir... The man replied, I've no, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the waters stir. Knock, knock. I didn't ask that. Do you want to be healed? <laughs> he, he's, not, he's answering that the question is not being asked. While I'm trying to get there, somebody else always gets ahead of me. This guy is angry. Can you hear it coming out of him? He's mad. He said, man, uh, he's blaming other people. He's blaming others why he's where he's at. He's blaming other people why he lacks joy. He's blaming his wife. He's blaming his husband. Or you're blaming your wife. You're blaming your husband. You're blaming your job. You're blaming other people for your lack of joy. He's resenting his life because others are succeeding, but he's not. He says, while I'm trying to get there down to the pool, someone else jumps in front of me. See, we're always trying to get to the there in life. What is that there in life? When I get there, then everything's going to be good. But how come everybody else is getting? How come that person got engaged? How come that person got the promotion? How come that person got this? And we could become resentful, bitter and disappointed. But I love the way Jesus responds. Jesus could have said, Why are you blaming everybody else? Uh, you know, just sit down. I'm not even going to ask you. I'm going to ask the nice guy. How, how many? Thank God Jesus didn't do that. But then Jesus simply said, Stand up. He said, Pick up your mat and start walking. And it said, When the man trusted Jesus, that's the key, right? Right there. He was immediately able to walk again. What seemed impossible with man is possible. With God. I said, what's impossible with man (laughs) is possible with God. See, I want you to realize today there's going to be things in our life that maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've even prayed about. Maybe there's times that you prayed and God didn't answer that prayer. You say, man, why doesn't God get rid of all the evil in the world? How many have ever prayed that prayer? Why doesn't God get rid of all the evil? Guess what? He'd be getting rid of all of us. Who are the evil ones? We are. Are you saying God's going to wipe you out too? Man, God should just get rid of all the evil. Man, that means all of us are going to be gone. See, the reality is all of us today, we need God. We live in an imperfect world with imperfect people that that affect us. Am I right? And I'm just here to tell you, That I believe God will help us. Uh, I don't believe God answered every single prayer the way we want him to pray or answer them. I prayed for people and God has healed them. I prayed for people and they died the next day. What did that happen? What did that mean? that mean my prayer was bad? No. I'm just going to obey God. I'm going to trust that God didn't control, that he knows better than I do. He sees the bigger picture, and I've got to trust God. I said, I've got to trust God in the good and the tough times of my life. And I want to help you as a pastor today to realize that God has something better for you. That the difference today for you is receiving God's mercy. That whatever situation this morning, I'm not going to be able to get to my next point, but whatever situation this morning that you're in, That the Holy Spirit will give you mercy. That if you'll call on God, uh, he'll give you the mercy that you need. The Bible said this in 2 Peter 1.3. As you get to know Jesus better, he will give you, through his great power, everything you need for living a truly good life. Now, you may say, man, I'm a Christian. I don't have everything I need. You have everything you need. You may not have every greed, but you do have every need. Are you with me? If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your belly's full right now, you got everything you need. If you have a place to live, you have everything you need. Can you say amen? amen. The, the problem is today is that many times we say, well, I want this and I want that. God hasn't given me all of this. Friend, I, I'm just telling you, God's given you everything you need. That is the mercy of God. You're alive. That's the mercy of God. I've told our church this many times, those of you that have been here many years, and I'll tell you one of the things, I wake up every morning and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I woke up this morning. I'm thankful that I'm alive. I'm not thankful for my car. I'm not thankful for the things that I have. I'm thankful that I'm alive. I'm thankful for his grace and mercy. When was the last time you thanked God for your life? And when was the last time that you say, God, I need mercy over my situation? I need mercy over my emotional condition right now, what I'm going through. Maybe there's some shame in your life today. Can I tell you, only the mercy of God can cover that. That woman that was caught in adultery, that woman that was lost, she was caught and trapped, the mercy of God took away the shame. This man that was in the pool of Bethesda, who was mad, angry, and disappointed and began to blame the whole world for his situation, the only one that helped them was Jesus. They gave him mercy that day. And he walked away healed, a miracle of God. Can I tell you, that's what God wants to do in your life this morning. Why don't we bar our heads and close our eyes in reverence to God today. Maybe you're in this room right now as we're in this service today. And I believe the presence of God... Is in this house. That the mercy of God is so real, that His mercy is so powerful, that maybe you didn't even realize the resurrection really displayed God's mercy. That He took upon the shame, He took upon the sins of the world upon Himself on the cross. He didn't give us what we deserve. But instead gave us mercy and forgiveness. That the cross is the greatest display of mercy. That the resurrection is the greatest display of mercy. That because of that resurrection, your life can be changed. That you can walk in the newness of life. That you can be forgiven of your sin. See, that's real resurrection today is experiencing God's love. Experiencing his forgiveness. Acknowledging today that you need his mercy see there's a lot of people in the world today they're acting self-righteous they're acting like I, I got it together I don't need God I, I, I'm okay by myself no you're not I've read the scriptures appointed on demand once to die then the judgment of God without God today you're not getting into heaven you need him in your life that's why Jesus died on the cross for you but you have to accept that mercy you have to accept that love You have to acknowledge what he's done for you, and you have to receive it in your life. The wonderful thing about God, he never forces you to do anything. You have to acknowledge it from your own heart and from your own life. You have to be willing to say, Pastor, I need Jesus. God, I need you in my life. If I'm a pastor here today, I can lead you, I can pray with you today. I don't save you, God does. But you say, you know what, I need the Lord in my life. I need God. I need God's mercy. If you acknowledge, you know what, I'm messed up. Maybe you're not like this woman that was caught in adultery. But you're not perfect. You know that. You need God's forgiveness too. Maybe you're caught in the trap of things. Maybe you're, you're, maybe you're bound to some things. Maybe some things got you trapped. And you feel like, man, I need God's mercy. I need God's grace. You came to the right place today. God's mercy is all over this room. And if you'll be honest with God, be honest with yourself. Say, you know what? I need the mercy of God in my life. Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I need Christ to come in my life today. Oh, friend, God is so merciful. He loves you. He'll remove your shame. Maybe you're filled with anger, disappointment disappointment in your life. Maybe you're disappointed in God. Maybe you're disappointed because things didn't come out the way you wanted them to. Maybe maybe you felt that God should have did this for you, did that for you. And you realize today God's been merciful to you in so many other ways. Maybe he didn't answer everything the way you wanted him to, but man, God's been merciful to you. He really has. Maybe some of you right now say so you shouldn't even be alive right now. Maybe you had the close calls and you say, man, that's the mercy of God. You remember, you prayed that. You thank God for that. But when was the last time you said, God, here's my life. I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life today. If that's you right now, say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed today for just a moment, you'd be honest with yourself. Say, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life today. Would you raise your hand real quick and say, that's me. I need God in my life. Several people. There's lots of people all over this room. All over here on my left. Back over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over here. God bless you. Anybody else? You haven't raised your hand? You haven't raised your hand, but you say, I need God in my life. I need the Lord in my life today. Friend, you've come to the right place. You're with people that acknowledge we're not perfect. We don't have it together. But I'm here to tell you, we're just recipients of God's mercy. Honestly, that's why you've seen people here lifting their hands, worshiping. You say, with all this worship, with all this celebration, they're, they're excited because of the mercy of God. They're celebrating God's mercy over their life. If you knew some of these people before they came to God, man, you wouldn't even believe it. God has changed their life, transformed them. 180 degrees, man, they're going a whole different direction. And God wants to do that in your life today. He wants to show you mercy. If you haven't raised your hand, raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I need God's mercy today. I need God's mercy. Who else? Several people back there. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else today? We want to pray with you this morning. You come on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. We want to pray with you. We want to tell you today, man, and celebrate God's mercy over your life. Is there anybody else right now you'd raise your hand? Maybe you've kind of been waiting, but you could relate to everything I talked about today. You've been disappointed. You've been angry. You've been frustrated. You've been walking in some of your shame saying, man, how, uh, you know, I've messed up so bad. I, I can never get it right. Can I tell you, God's mercy is greater than your shame. Raise your hand right now and say, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I need God in my life. I need God's mercy. Is there anybody else right now? Others right over here. God bless you. Thank you. You can put that hand down. Anybody else? Several people have raised their hand. If you haven't raised it up, raise it up right now. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Maybe at one time you were walking with God. At one time. In fact, what I'm preaching here today, church is not new to you. You've been in church, but you've been away from God for a while. In fact, you haven't been in church in in a while and you decided to come on this Easter Sunday because God has mercy on you today to get you here and he wants to show you that he's still merciful and he still loves you you need to rededicate your life to him right now who are you right now you'd raise your hand and say that's me you're talking to me today raise your hand right now and say that's me you're talking to me I need God's mercy I need to rededicate my life to the Lord thank you, thank you, anybody else anybody else, just raise your hand all over this building. Anybody else? I, I, I believe in what I'm saying today. Thank you, somebody else. Anybody else today? Raise your hand. We're here to pray with you. We're here today to tell you that we are recipients of God's mercy like you are today. Is there anybody else? All right. If you raise your hand, look up at me real quick. Just kind of look up at me. You guys mean that over here? You guys mean that over here, over there? Back over there, you mean that? Over there? All right, I want to pray with you. If you'll just give me the honor. Honestly, I'm honored to pray with people. I'm not going to make you say anything to anybody over there, but why don't we all stand together? And if you raise your hand, will you do me a favor? Don't even think about it. Just make your way down here and face me. I'm not going to make you say anything to the people. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. There's several people coming. You're not coming by yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Over here. Over here. Just come. Come right now. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming forward. Our ushers will help you. Just come forward. They're helping you come. Anybody else this morning? Just make your way down here. Make your way down here right now. You've been waiting a little bit. You've been hesitating. And then awesome. God's mercy is all over this room right now. Resurrection Sunday, right now. The mercy of God. Thank you for coming forward. Is there anybody else right now? We'll wait for you. If you if, you're, if you if just make your way down here. Several people raised their hand. Is there anybody else? I want to pray with you this morning. I don't want you to leave the same way you walked in. Just come right now. We'll pray with you. Is there anybody else right now? Amen. Help us out, ushers. If there's anybody else to make their way down here. I don't like to rush this. I like to give people time. Some 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 folks they need a little bit of time. And I'll, I'll give you that time if you'll come right now. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, maybe at one time, or you didn't raise your hand, but you're saying, man, you know what? I should have raised my hand. Come, I'll wait for you. I should be down there. I know. Don't let pride, don't let your pride keep you in your seat. Come right now. Be a recipient of God's mercy today. I'm not going to make you turn around and say anything to the crowd. I'm going to pray with you. That's all I want to do. I want to just pray with you. Is there anybody else right now? You'd come. You'd come. You'd come. We're talking about God's mercy. We're talking about what God can do in your life today. Amen. Several people came forward today. Isn't it awesome? People have come forward today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not the prayer that saves you. Again, it's the attitude of your heart. And I'll give you the word, but I want you to mean it from your heart. And I don't want you to say it to me, but I want you to say it to God. So why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads real quick. And repeat this prayer and say it to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and you rose again. I ask you, Lord, to come in my heart, to forgive me of all my sins, be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray right now for every individual. Father.